Well, I believe today is going to be a good day. I'm excited for service this morning. Uh, for those of you who are new or tuning in with us online for the first time, I'm Pastor Chris. I'm our executive pastor here at Destiny. Uh, pastor Lawrence is out on vacation with his family, so much needed break away for him. Uh, so we're excited for them. Uh, but I'm excited to speak this morning. It's going to be a great time. If you've got something to take notes, I encourage you to get that out. Uh, or you can jump on our app uh, and get the notes online there if you would prefer to do it that way. Uh, I am a big proponent of taking notes. Not because it makes me feel better as the speaker, but because how many of you want God to speak to you? Then we need to be prepared to listen. Uh, and that is something I say every time before I speak, and it's not just my standard, like, here's what we say, but I really believe if we want God to speak to us, we need to come prepared to receive something, listening to that. If I'm going to go ask somebody for directions, I don't just stand there and listen and hope I remember I write it down so that I make sure I get where I'm going. If we're going to ask God, hey, direct my life, speak to me, then I want to make sure I'm writing it down so that I get where I'm going and I don't forget the things that he's speaking. Um, so that's my encouragement for you to take notes. We are jumping into a new series. I know many of you have probably noticed the tables across the room. Uh, the table is the series that we are going into, and we're going to focus on the table for a little bit. And, you know, this is more than just a clever series. It really is an idea that I believe God is birthing. Uh, it's not a new idea, but it's one God's developing and bringing about. I know you've heard us talk a lot about it uh, in the last few weeks. But I want us to jump in, talking about the table. Uh, I really believe our culture has taken the idea of the table uh, and kind of corrupted it. You know, if we look back, you look in Jewish culture, and the home and the table was a central place of ministry, right? If you look in early church, the table was a central place of ministry. If you look at Jesus' ministry, he was constantly having a meal with someone and doing ministry around a table. And the world that we live in today, how many of you realize we don't take time often enough to sit around the table, have a meal with someone, and truly build relationship? We live in a fast food culture, right? We, we need it quick. We're in a hurry. We've got something to do, somewhere to go, something, somebody that we are trying to be. So we need to get what we need, and we need to move on. And we've kind of done the same thing to ministry. We've done the same thing to relationships. And, hey, I'm going to take time, and here, here's a text message. Hey, it's your birthday. Here's your Facebook message because they reminded me it's your birthday, uh, uh, honestly. Uh, and that's kind of how we function in a lot of our life because we're always on this go, and we don't take time to really build true, meaningful relationships. And I want to challenge us with that because, you know, there's a cultural idea, and not that it's necessarily bad, uh, but I believe it's lacking. Uh, and how many of you have ever heard the phrase, like, well, what do you bring to the table? You ever heard someone say that? And we have taken the table, instead of it being a place of relationship and building and growing together, and it becomes a place of performance. And it's like, well, what do you have to offer? Yeah, yeah, you can come, you know, you've got to earn your place at the table. Well, that's not the way it is in the kingdom of God. You don't earn your place. You don't earn your way. It's God's grace that provides a way and provides that place. And I want to jump in. Uh, you know, yesterday, Pastor Tabitha talked about Love Our City that happened yesterday. It was an incredible time of just outreach ministry that went on. And kind of the theme verse going into that morning was 2 Corinthians 1, 4. Uh, and I love that verse because it says that God comforts us in our time of trouble so that we can comfort others. And I believe that's just a beautiful depiction of the grace of God. He shows up in your life 
so that he can help you, empower you to show up and help in the lives of other people and introduce God into that situation. You with me? And I believe that's a big part of the table. Often, you know, if you sit down at the table with somebody, it's generally to build relationship, right? You're never see someone, let me put it this way, you ever met someone and you just immediately clicked, right? We've all met those people. What about the people you don't? We don't talk about them a lot, but how many of you have met people it's like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go grab a cup of coffee from somewhere, anywhere other than this conversation right here. Right, like, let's be honest, okay? Y'all are looking at me like I'm a horrible person right now. I know you've done it, okay? Let's be real, okay? Uh, it happens, and uh, this is my point. Those people that you don't connect with well, you're not generally like, yeah, we should get together and hang out sometime. But when you want to connect with someone well, hey, let's go grab lunch. Let's go grab coffee. Let's sit around a table together. Whether that's a coffee table or a dinner table, you're trying to get around the table to build that relationship. And I think that is a big piece that's lacking so much, not just the relational aspect, but the true honesty around a table. There's something about that that happens. You know, I had a pastor friend of mine who, he really taught me a lot uh, because the first time we hung out, he asked me a couple questions, and they didn't really seem like anything big, just conversation. Then I realized every time we hung out, he asked me the same two questions. But they were really intentional questions. It was, hey, what are you the most excited about right now? Well, you know, whatever, this is what's going on. Then second question would always follow up like, yeah, what are you struggling in? I was like, oh, I like the first question better. Anybody else, right? And that's kind of the world we live in. It's like, hey, how are you? I'm great. This is what's going on great in my life. We're not going to talk about this. <laughs> We're not going to talk about the part that I don't like. We're not going to talk about the things that are going bad. We're not going to talk about the struggles that I'm having. Here's all the things that are going great. And we live this life with a mask on, a facade, like everything's perfect. And then people come into church that are broken, hurting people. And they see people who are pretending everything's perfect. And they're not also broken, hurting people with a Savior who shows up in the middle who comforts us so that we can then help comfort others. Are you with me? We've got to just be open and honest about who we are, which means we need to sit down and have a real conversation with each other. We need to sit down and really begin to build that relationship and develop that relationship. You know, Romans 8.15 says, For you have not received the spirit of slavery, leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father. This is one of the first times Jesus is introducing the idea of God as God, our Father, not just our provider, not just our healer, not just our protector, but God, our Father. It's a relational aspect that didn't exist in the perspective of how people saw God until Jesus introduced this concept. And I love that idea because there's multiple times that Jesus introduces it in Mark 14. I gave you Romans 8:15, which is another reference to that. And this is the thing. We've got to understand God's not just there to be our genie. God's not there to, hey, I need a raise. God, I really need you to show up right now. Can we be honest? God, my kids are out of control. You need to do something with them. God, my marriage, if you would just fix that woman you gave me. That sound familiar? Genesis kind of sounds the same. Anyway, right? But we always take this perspective, and it's like, God, I need you because this is falling apart. And the truth of it is, God, I just need you. 
I need you when it's good. I need you when it's bad. I just need you. And if we carry that perspective in the loving heart of a father and understand God wants relationship with you, not just to fix what's going wrong in your life right now. And the truth of it is if we had a better relationship in the front, there'd probably be less that needed to be fixed. But if my spouse just understood, if you acted more like Jesus, your spouse probably wouldn't have to understand as much. I'm preaching myself right there. Don't get mad. <laughs> right? Like we all do that. But I'm kind of setting the groundwork for where I want to go because I believe there is a beautiful depiction of this. It's in 2 Samuel 9. And it is with King David. And so if you've got your Bibles, turn with me. 2 Samuel 9. We're going to start with verse 3. This is the king asks, is there no one still alive from the house of Saul that I can show God's kindness towards? Ziba answered the king, there is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, he is at the house of, in Lodabar. I want to pause because Lodabar is really significant. This place, Lodabar, okay, it's like a, um, it's, it's a place that is literally means nothing. It's a place of no pasture. It's a place of nothing. It's a place where there was nothing. And he goes on, verse 6, he says, When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. Verse 7, don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that, belongs to your grandfather, that belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, what is your servant that you would notice a dead dog like me? I'll pause right there. There is something so beautiful in what's being described here. Because what we first got to understand about Mephibosheth is simply this. He was lame in both feet. What does that mean? He can't walk. All right? In that culture, that time, if you couldn't walk, then that means he was basically destined to be a beggar at the city. Not only to be a beggar at the gates of the city, but at the city of nothing, the city that had no green pastures, that had no rich anything. He was in a place of nothing that had no status, but the king sought him out and gave him a place at his table. What, what did Mephibosheth bring to the table? Nothing. Absolutely nothing then why was he there? Because of who his father is. Some of you guys need to hear me this morning because there are so many times we find our own life where we feel like we are just begging for God to see us, for someone to see us, for someone to help us, for someone to show up in the middle of our situation, and we are begging and crying out because we feel like we are lacking and there is something that is missing and we have nothing. And the truth of it is the king is looking at your situation saying, no, I want to place you at my table. I want to give you a place at the table, not because of what you bring, not because of what you can earn, not because of what you can do, but because of who Jesus is. We aren't defined by what you've done. You're defined by who he is. Some of y'all need to hear that again. You're not defined by what you've done. You're defined by who he is. How many of us in this room can say, I have messed up more times than I'd like to admit? 
Thank God we're not defined by who we are or the mistakes we've made, but we're defined by who he is and who he says we are. See, this is the thing. Mephibosheth had nothing to offer David. He was afraid he was going to kill him when he brought him there. He had nothing to offer. This is the beauty of it. David didn't want anything from him. He merely created a place for relationship. Let's go on. Let's continue reading. Verse 9. It says, The king summoned Ziba, Saul's steward and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm that land for him and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson can be provided for. Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. And Ziba said to the king, your servant will do everything the Lord has commanded his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of his sons. Verse 12. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah, and all of the members of Ziba's house were the servants of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table, and he was lame in both feet. I love, and it's going to sound weird, but I love the last verse of that. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table, and he was lame in both feet. Why did it have to add the last part? He went from a place of nothing to a place that was prosperous. He went from being a beggar to a seat at the table in the palace. That not good enough story? No, he was still lame in both feet. See, I love that that's still on there. Because I don't know about you, but I know for me, I still have memory of all the things that I've done wrong in my life. And I may have a place at the king's table, but I remember I was lame in both feet before. See, this is the beauty of it. When God gives you a seat at the table, it doesn't remove everything from your past. It now allows everything from your past to be used for the goodness and the greatness of God. So many times we find our place where it's like, okay, God, use me. And we want to act like everything we've walked through didn't exist so that now we can be this perfect person and live without issue. But the truth of it is the issue that you faced is often the very thing God wants to use through you to heal and help in the world around you. Well, that's kind of uncomfortable, Pastor Chris. I know, but some of the best people I've heard speak on marriage were people who almost lost theirs. Some of the best people I've heard talk about the dangers of pornography are the people who were entrapped in it for so long. Some of the best people that I've heard speak about what it means to be lacking in their spiritual life are the people who went so long without it. God can speak to anybody through you. But there's something about being able to identify with somebody's dysfunction and be able to see what God can bring out of it that is so encouraging to somebody else. It's kind of like this. If I've never been an alcoholic, but I'm telling an alcoholic how easily they can be set free and God can transform their life, they're sitting there thinking, yeah, but you just don't understand. 
But if I was an alcoholic for years and God delivered me and saved me, and I'm like, look, here's all the destruction that I've walked through. Here's all the things that have gone wrong in my life. God did that for me, and he can do it for you, and here's how. That is not only exciting, but it's liberating to see this isn't just words somebody's telling me. It's not just telling me, get over your anger, get over your anxiety. It's here's how God helped me do it, and he can do it in you, and that transforms everything about the conversation. How do we have that conversation? Honestly. We've got to be open about who we are. We've got to be open about who we're not. And most importantly, we've got to be open about who Jesus is in us. See, that's the beauty of the table. It's the place where you get to sit down and have a conversation. It's the place where you get to sit down and be face-to-face and talk about the reality of who God is and what God wants to do in your life. There was something about the presence of God in this room yesterday that I remember leaving. And man, the ministry was amazing. But before we ever got to the apartment complex, I remember standing here, probably 80 people that showed up to volunteer yesterday. And I remember us talking and praying together. And there, the presence of God was just so strong in the room not because of a message that was preached. Because we didn't. We sang one song. We didn't do a whole worship set with a full band. We had a single guitar, and we sang one song. And I encouraged this and read one verse. And we got in groups. And you know what we did? God, speak to us. And we just waited. And we shared what God was speaking to each other in a group. I don't know about you. I know different groups function different, but I was blown away as I kind of walked and hopped from group to group, and people were just sharing. Here's what I feel like God's speaking. They would just begin to pray out or speak out over what we were about to go, where we were about to step into. Where we're at right now has a function and a purpose, and it's part of God's plan to be a part of the body of Christ where we come together and we worship together, we're encouraged together, and we celebrate together. But if that's the extent of our relationship with God and our experience as a Christian, then we're lacking because God didn't just create you and call you to come sit shoulder to shoulder listening to a message and being encouraged or inspired. He called us to sit face to face where we can talk about what God is speaking and doing and encouraging each other to release God into our world in an entirely new way. There are people we ministered to yesterday that would never set foot in this church. They didn't have to because we set up a picnic on their front lawn and we did ministry for their kids. We have people that would never set foot in this church because the things they've seen and the things they've walked through, they didn't have to Because we showed up at their job and we brought them baskets and said, hey, we just want you to know we care about you. We love you. And God's got a plan for your life. There are people that wouldn't step foot in this church because they're downtown and they're homeless. They don't have a way to get here and they don't have anyone that feels like they care about them. But we showed up with a truck and we cooked out and we made food. And we didn't just say, here you go and move on. But we built relationships and we prayed for them and we invested in them. The church as a building is a component 
and the people as we come together is a component of who God's called us to be. This isn't the completion of it. It's just a component. The completion is when we come together as the body of Christ and we live that out, we talk that out, and we walk that out in relationship, in conversation. See, I love this depiction because if we look at this story, David is a great example of God and his love for us, how it seeks us out even when we're not looking for it. See, Mephibosheth wasn't trying to get the king's attention so that he could have a better life. He was just suffering in the life that he felt like he was handed. Does that sound familiar to the culture we live in today? They're just walking through life with the dealt that they, the hand they were dealt trying to figure it out. But there's a loving father who's tracking them down, who's looking for them, trying to find them trying to find the lost and the hurting and the broken so he can bring them in, give them a seat at the table, and begin to build relationship with them. But the way they get at the table isn't because of what they can perform or do, but it's because of who their father is, and that's such a great depiction of the saving grace of Jesus Christ in our life. It's not something we've earned. It's something that was given through his death on the cross and his resurrection that changes everything about who we are and the way we live our life. See, the thing about this story that honestly I wrestle with, and I kind of wrestled with even in this message, like, well, what perspective do I come from? Because I feel like we're Mephibosheth. Anybody else? Like, you hear that, and it's like, yeah, that's me. I was, lo- I was lost and broken and hurting, and God brought me in, and he gave me a place. Anybody else relate? But I also relate to the servant who already had a place that was then sent for the person who didn't to let them know there was still a place at the table for them. See, as Christians, there's a place where we're brought in and God's like, hey, I want to transform everything about your life. I want relationship with you. I want to build you. I want to love you. I just want to know you. And there's a place where we take what he's done in our life and we share it with others. And we invite them in. Your place at God's table isn't because of what you bring to the table, but because of your willingness to sit at it. It's our willingness to sit down with the Father. You were created for that relationship. Look back at Genesis from the creation of time. God created man, and it says he would walk and talk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. You were designed for God to have personal relationship with you. I heard it said this way once, and I loved it. Jesus didn't come just to forgive your sins. Jesus came to heal a relationship that was broken. That's such a beautiful depiction. Jesus didn't just come so, okay, now you get a free pass and you get to make it in. No, it's not. He came because God so desperately longed for the relationship with you that Jesus died for you to have the opportunity to enter into that relationship but that opportunity is still on you. God did everything up to the point of forcing you to accept it. Do you understand that? We still have to sit at the table. He's made the offer. He's created the way. He made the path. We simply have to sit. And when we sit, we are then able to invite others in to be a part. I love it. The beauty of 
Christianity, we look at the Re- at revelations, and when Jesus comes back, and what? There's the marriage supper of the Lamb. It, again, we're eating. We all eat a lot in the Bible. Like, they eat a lot in the Bible. I like that because I like to eat. But I want to find time in my life for those more meaningful relationships. I don't know about you. I know everybody's different, but anybody else in here, like, when life is just really busy and you haven't had time to sit with the people you care about, you just feel like something's lacking. Anybody else? Then we've got to be able to slow down as a culture and say, as Christians, life may be busy, but these relationships are priority. And as Pastor was telling us recently, it's not really a priority if you don't make time for it. We can call it that, but if I don't have time for my priorities, they're not really my priorities. Something else is my priority. So what is that? What is it that we need to adjust and change in our life so that we can spend more time pressing into the presence of God, sitting at the table? And who is, let me just ask this question. For lack, uh, let me word it this way. Who's the beggar that you're passing on the street? I don't literally mean the beggar, but we're all from that place. Mephibosheth had nothing. He was begging for scraps and was brought into the king's table. Who's the person that you pass every day? Who's the person that you see at the store, that you work with, the family member who honestly wouldn't know Jesus if it wasn't for that introduction that comes from you. You know, one of the things I think was really cool a week ago, 4th of July weekend, America, right? Uh, we encouraged everybody to get, a, get around the table. I hope you guys did that. I hope you watched the video and talked about and discussed and got around the table with family. But there are some people whose lives will never be transformed or touched if we are not willing to get outside of ourselves and invite them into a conversation. See, something that was really beautiful about that to me is we went to the lake for 4th of July. Anybody like people? Lake, like, man, I'm feeling lonely right now. Okay. Lake's cool. You guys should try it out. It's fun. But we went to the lake, and we went with family, and it was a great time. But the thing I thought was amazing was we didn't just go to the lake, that was our table for that weekend. And that Sunday morning, our cousin accepted Jesus. (laughs) On a boat. (laughs) It was the coolest thing. She's 10 and we're out there, we're all hanging out, we're talking about Jesus and we're just having fun, living life. And we get into the conversation. It's like, have you ever accepted Jesus? Like, well, no. We start talking about, well, here's what that is, and goes through it. And as crazy as it goes, we get into another conversation. It kind of interrupts the moment. Anybody ever have that? Like, you got this moment, and something interrupts. It's like, dang it. Well, here's what's crazy. The moment's interrupted. And then we kind of try to come back. And it's like, hey, so 
about that conversation. She's like, oh, yeah, I just did that. And we're like, what? Huh? She was like, no, that sounded great. I accepted Jesus right there. Like, you told me how, so I did it. While y'all were talking about that, I just did it. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> Let's talk about this. <laughs> like, but it was the coolest thing. It was an introduction that wouldn't happen if we wouldn't have changed the way we just typically do things. There's some introductions that God wants to have through your life that won't happen unless we just change some things. We begin to make time and space to invest in those relationships, invest in the people that God's entrusted you. See, I think we've really missed the mark when we think, man, these people need Jesus. I got to get them to church first. No, they need Jesus. He's in you. Make the introduction. Then invite him in to meet the family. And we really should look at it more that way, right? Let's introduce the relationship, and then let's invite him to meet the family. Anybody, when you were dating, that's kind of how you, like, you met, you dated. Then you introduced them to the family. Can let's be honest, the world might be a little better off if we introduce them to Jesus first and then the family. We got a lot of people that are scared off because they met the family, and they still really ain't got to know Jesus yet, but the family's like, yeah. And we can, we can laugh about it. We can, I'm getting some sideways looks, too. Like, that's probably you then. I'm just saying. We love you. But if you think nobody's crazy in this room, you're one of the crazy ones. <laughs> I can say that. I'm one of them, too. I know. Ask Rosalia when we were at the apartment complex. Anyway. Because <laughs> this is the thing. God wants to make space. Just have relationship. We don't have to overcomplicate it. We don't have to make it this big, overblown idea. Well, I want to introduce somebody to Jesus, so I'm going to set the table. I'm going to set the stage, and they're going to come over, and we're going to have worship music. No, that's going to be weird. You ever done that? Like, somebody's like, hey, come hang out. And you walk over, and they're trying to like, hey, it's a zeal party. We're trying, I'm sorry. I stepped on I went there. I apologize. Right, but it's like, surprise. Like, I thought we were coming to hang out. No, it's a sales pitch. Don't do that to people. They don't need a sales pitch. They just need to meet Jesus. They don't need to hear the eight reasons it can change your life. No, they need to know there's a loving Savior who wants to show up in the middle of whatever you're walking through. He didn't need a sales pitch. He just needs an opportunity. Let's make that opportunity. As the worship team begins to come back up, I just want to ask, you know, what is it in your life that's holding you back from going where God's called you to go. And I know I'm talking to a wide range of people. I got some of you in here that are like, yeah, I need to make more room at the table because there's some people I need to invite in. Who is that? Think about them. Because their name probably already ran through your mind when I was talking about the story earlier. Some of you guys are like, I can't introduce anybody to Jesus because I'm still trying to figure out who he is. Great. But sit at the table for a little longer. That's all right. Get to know your Savior better. Well, I'm not comfortable. You don't have to be comfortable. Here's the beauty of it. I mean, look at the disciples. They weren't comfortable. Most of them were teenagers. They weren't competent. They were just called. Praise Jesus. <laughs> they don't have to have it all figured out. We just need to be available. 
That's the beauty of the table. You're not preparing the meal. You're just sitting down. Jesus did all the preparation. Jesus got everything in place. He's got everything prepared. All we got to do is take a seat and invite other people in on that journey and the process along the way. So here's what I want to ask. If you would bow your heads and close your eyes. I'm going to ask two things. First thing, if you're in here and you've heard me talk about this and and you find yourself in a place where you are Mephibosheth, (laughs) maybe you found yourself and it's like, you know, I am lost, I'm hurting, I don't know who Jesus is, but man, this relationship sounds good and it sounds like something that I need in my life. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand. I want to pray for you. And we want to agree together with you. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. I want everybody in here, just repeat after me really quickly. Dear Jesus, come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. Forgive me of all of my sins and help me to live more like you every single day. Now, with your heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're in here and you say, you know, I've got a good relationship with God. I know who he is. I'm at the table. But instead of inviting people in, I've just been gorging myself. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. Let's respond to God this morning. Who is it that you need to invite to the table? Who is it that's on your mind that, yeah, there's a place for them and they need to know it? Thank you. Anybody else? Got to pray right now for every person who responded and said, God, I need to get outside of myself and look at the doorways, the opportunities that you've provided that I can introduce other people to your saving grace and your life-transforming power. And I pray you give us the boldness and the courage to walk out of here today and begin to transform the lives of those around us simply by introducing them to the God that can transform everything about their life. It's not our job to fix people. It's our job to love people. And if we can introduce them to the God who can fix everything that's broken in their life. God, I pray you give us the courage and the strength to do that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's my challenge to you. Before we jump back in worship, let's go ahead and stand to our feet. We're going to press in for a little bit longer. It's good to talk about the relationship that God wants to have with us, but it's even better to participate in it. So let's press into him. But I want to challenge you with something this week. Don't just walk out of here and say, yeah, that's good. There's a lot of people that need to meet Jesus. But I want to challenge you. Sit down at the table with somebody this week. It could be a coffee table. It could be a dinner table. But invite somebody to sit at a table and have a conversation with you find that person that God wants to give entrance into their life because of the relationship that he's already put in yours. Let's worship him this morning.